tragedy depends on the way you see it. If you choose to be a victim of the world, anything which happens to you will feed the dark side of your soul, where you consider yourself wronged, suffering, guilty, and deserving of punishment. If you choose to be an adventurer, the changes, even the inevitable losses, since everything in this world changes, can cause some pain, but will soon thrust you forward, forcing you to react. Paolo Coelho, The Warrior of Light. Great book. I suggest it. What's going on, guys? This is your host, MDLP, from the Battle Axe Gym and the Battle Axe Podcast, here with my favorite and only co-host, the Baron of the North, Johnny Banks. <laughs> Beaming. Uh, now I can say that I, my co-host is a, a powerlifter and a strong man. Oh, man. What? I, I don't even this know what to do with myself. I wish we had a camera right now and take 9,000 pictures of your red face. Look, Ma, these are real calluses. This is it. We made it. Now <laughs> we have this, this duo is multifaceted. Wow. Um, but yeah, if you guys didn't know, um, John just recently competed in the throat on himself. Making him a veteran now of Miami's <laughs> baddest man and the Miami Throwdown. That's, you know, uh, before we get into things truly, I had, doing those two events this year was really all about you. Ah. Um, a lot of it came down to I can compete anywhere, but as you know, I, I always have been the type of person that if I'm supporting someone, I'm going to put my money there, mm-hmm. especially for a business owner. And so Miami's Baddest, I've always loved, you know, the, the old podcast. We were a sponsor. That's right. Um, I've always wanted to compete in, in it, but one, I I lacked the confidence. And two, I just hadn't been around the game long enough. So to be able to do, compete in that and, and support you that way. And then um, when I heard the little inklings of, well, there might be. Just maybe. Yeah. Um, I knew right away that if I was going to do a powerlifting meet, it would be one that you hosted. So here we Man, are. Ugh, see, now it's back on me. It's, there's so many emotions here. Um, thank you. We and totally I, don't cry in this podcast. Yeah, we, 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 actually, we edit that. No, just kidding. We don't, we don't know how to edit, so no. <laughs> we can't say anything. Um, thank you. I really appreciate that, John. And I appreciate a lot of people that not only um, put their money where their mouth is, but put skin in the game and of course we always give thanks to those people who have supported us as the battle axe podcast but also the battle axe gym this time is a little bit longer of a list because we the main i guess not i guess the theme of today is obviously the miami throwdown and we'll always start off with who we start off with to the bv 305 the bearded villains all around the world thank you guys so much um even guys that aren't involved in the sport were there as well as not only buying beers and supporting athletes, but all over the world, retagging us, reposting us to the Battle Axe Gym. Thank you so much, guys. The clan, I will go much further into depth of my appreciation for you guys, as well as what I wrote on uh, on the blog and the article on our website, thebattleaxegym.com. To Cerberus USA again for helping us and giving us a discount code to help our athletes. And I'm going to start with a little bit of a long list, but obviously in no particular order. And I just make sure to call you guys out from the get-go because not only did you guys show up, but even before this, before this event was even materialized, there had been great relations with these people. And they actually showed up to the event despite there being another powerlifting event on the same weekend, which we'll get into fucking later. Um, 
<laughs> without any hold bars, motherfuckers. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. This depends how caffeinated I am. Uh, they showed up to support. So church, I mean, Jesus, guys, church LOC, Tomer and Nick, again, um, I would like to say they're my protégés, but man, they went on their own, and I've they've grown up to to be great forces in this in this thing, and they're just to see them mature, not only as a company but as men, lifters, and supporters of the strength world all over the fucking world, and we can say that now. Thank you guys, Ironbound Barbell Family, Gorilla Bench. Thank you so much, Sovereign Powerlifting for coming and open and putting a booth and believing in us and taking a chance, even though we live five six hours away from you. Thank you so much. Girls Who Powerlift goes without saying of your popularity, but to take time, um, Ivy, thank you. I know you were competing that day, too, with Corey. Um, you guys took time to set up a booth with your family and sell products despite having to run a business and a life. Thank you, guys, I, which includes Iron Knight, um, Jim, where that's stationed at. Both of you guys have become very close friends to me. So thank you for that. And lastly, Tank Brewery. Um, I don't know if you guys are going to listen to this podcast, but I'm going to force you to. But again, to uh, Tank, Diego, and the uh, bar manager, Megan, you guys were exceptional, exceptional guests, uh, hosts. Never once complained, and I'd like to talk about you guys in a little bit when we get into further details as far as working with people and in, in a, in a venue that can get so fucking complicated. Tank Brewery, if you guys are here in Miami or everywhere local, give them, out a, give them a little shout-out, give them a little look-see. Great fucking beer, great food, great venue. So thank you for being patient with that. Uh, but I could not start the show. John recommended that we do it first, and I agree with him completely. I don't want anyone to kind of fall between the cracks. If we do, I'm sorry for once, and it's a good problem to have. And I think it's something we can say that's indicative of life. If you have too many people to think, that's a really good problem to have mm-hmm. rather than having a lot of people to hate. It <laughs> seems like it's the easy go-to nowadays in such a fucking uh, venomous culture that we have but we have a long list of thank yous and we're going to get deeper into everything we're going to try our best to answer questions that we got online not only through dms and and comments and just general questions the day of john was competing so it's going to be pretty great to see a perspective of one of the athletes there but also we really appreciate you guys sending the comments so we're going to try to bulk them together because we did have some common themes um that were going on so Stay tuned because I think <laughs> I'm actually going to have a really, I could not wait to do this fucking podcast. It's like after we did the one for uh, Baddest Man and a couple other things. But, yeah. But it feels good. Yeah, it's, it's been quite the adventure. So I, can you give us a brief, brief synopsis of the Thanksgiving throwdown where it was before um, as, as far as location and, and who was hosting it? So... Like a quick a quick history, um, for those of you that didn't read the article, shame on you. No, just kidding. Seriously, I, I understand. Um, it used to be called the, the Thanksgiving Throwdown. This was something put on by the USPA. I don't know the exact year, but I do know that seven years ago I was there. Um, so it might have been going on before. Rich Fika, um, again, the state chair of powerlifting, good friend, and somebody who I really have to thank and who I can generally say that Florida powerlifting would be Nowhere near as fun without him. If you guys have to see how much fucking work him and his team do to get everything prepped. And it's not like these are like, no offense, Rich, but these aren't like 21-year-old bucks, man. They got family, they got kids, yeah. grown-ass men in their 40s taking four or five days out to come put shit together by themselves. Um, he was competing back then. He would know more of the details, but 
was Thanksgiving throwdown, and there was typically held at Port, Port St. Lucie Civic Center. Um, and that's what it was called. It was always the week before Thanksgiving. It was happened to be one of the last powerlifting events of the year. So it was hype because what can you do after that? You can eat and you can drink and you can enjoy the holidays rather than having one like before Christmas or something. Yeah. So the first one I uh, went to was about oof, almost eight years ago now. Um, and that's where it was. Okay. And I think that only people kind of in the strength world understands kind of what happened or what through this venue kind of off kilter. Right. Um, do you want to recap yeah, that? Hell yeah. Okay. Great fucking God. Yeah. See, okay. Let me, let me tell you guys a little something about being simpatico with my, with my host here, Johnny. I wrote the article and before I wrote the article, John sent me a list of questions and I swear to God, it's like I read the list of questions and wrote my article, but it wasn't like that, but it felt like that. <laughs> so this is going to be fucking great. So if anybody didn't read the article, I think we're going to go a little bit more in depth. Obviously, I, I can't type as much as I can talk. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> so what ended up happening, and look, I'm going to tell you what happened. There's two sides to every fucking story. Um, I'm not here to point fingers. And those who I've pointed finger at, fingers at, I've done it to your fucking face. So, and if I do point a finger at you at the podcast, it's probably because I'm going to point a, a finger at you in your face. So I'm not going to talk shit. I'm not really going to name any names. Uh, if there's other sides to the story, that's great. But this is just what happened. In about 20, I think maybe 2014 or 2013, I believe it was 2014, there was a split. Um, the USPA chairman had some issues, left USPA very briefly, about a week or two before throwdown. When this happened, it was kind of in disarray. But lifters didn't know where to go. Imagine having, at the time it used to be a single day meet. You have 100 lifters mm. just going like, so now what? Um, so some lifters went to RPS meet that was by then picked up by the former uh, chairman of USPA, went and started RPS in Florida. And the USPA was pretty much dropped on Rich Fika's lap, who at the time was still competitive. I mean, he was... Benching almost 600 pounds, if not over. I'm not, I'm not lying Jesus. to you. It was stupid. Um, so when it dropped on his lap, and I mean that, literally picked it up. I remember he accepted like an extra 30 lifters. A lot of lifters were left unpaid. Their monies were not returned. I know this because three of my lifters were never sent their money back for having signed up. He honored that. So my lifters were able to prove that. Um, little things that people don't understand or don't even know anything about. It's just like some kids don't even know what a fucking CD player looks like. <laughs> fucking learn your history, dog. Um, anyways, he picked it all up. I remember that meet we left at 3 in the morning. The heavyweights took their last deadlifts at 2 something in the morning because there was 130 something lifters because wow. we had no choice. And they had rented the, the venue for one night. So in that split, it kind of picked up and forced Rich to kind of start being the chair and kind of, I guess you can say, become a big boy. Um, and then there's when RPS started to grow and RPS is a really fun federation. It has its own thing, very popular amongst geared lifters. And then USPA had to kind of pick up and there was kind of like a, what do we do now? Yeah. And then we started to grow. Gotcha. So I, I think it was 2018. There was a situation that happened where, there was a falling out between a, a team of lifters and rich and everything like that. Um, but not to touch on that, but more so to go, what brings this conversation of you hosting around? Like, for example, 
who was hosting this before? Just USAPL or USAP? U- USPA. Um, USAPA. So, PA? see, the thing is, it's funny. Um, when we talk about hosts nowadays, um, that wasn't very common back then. Yeah. You know, you were just, a USPA would, I guess you can say, it's there, it's there the host, but they're really the federation. So, back then, and I mean that back then, because you guys remember, we're all powerlifting is not very old, maybe at most. 12, 15 years, and even 15 years ago, was people laughed at it. Um, it really wasn't to the emergence of, you know, Mark Bell putting a face on it, CrossFitters coming over. People started doing, you know, uh, raw totals in sleeves, what people were doing in powerlifting gear, where people were going, okay, this is this is something that's happening. Yeah. Um, so to find, like, a host, like Battle Axe hosting, you know, Gorilla Bench hosting was very rare. Venues were never outside a gym or a hotel. Like, to find a, a a, a powerlifting event outside of a gym or hotel was just, it just didn't happen. It was just like finding a strongman competition, not in a parking lot. Like you just, <laughs> you're like, what? Yeah. Especially in Florida. I'm the only speaking in the sense of Florida. And this is within the last 10 years or so. Um, so what ended up happening, I remember when we walked in, we walked in there about seven, eight years ago. I remember walking into one by myself, but I walked in as an athlete as well as with athletes. I went to my first meet. Um, it was important. They say Lucy civic center and this, this kind of basketball court. And when I wrote about it in the article, like the, it wasn't even good court, you know, like that kind of rubbery court where you're like, how many people have sprained their fucking ankles on this? Yeah, like, cause you yeah. get, you know, you get stuck. There was like barely shitty and enough bars. Um, the, the plates were what we had. We had maybe one good warm up bar, one Texas deadlift bar. And that was not going to be yours. You got to remember people were just coming together. No one had these monster gyms with, fucking 16,000 rogue plates and everything was fucking Evenco plates and it wasn't these motherfuckers getting, you know, this crazy ass like loan check to get 19 rogue racks and okay, I have 19 deadlift bars. Like you knew the guy that lived an hour away that had the Texas deadlift bar. So that's where you're going to go deadlift. Now everyone and their fucking grandmother gets one for Christmas. (laughs) So when you, you had it in the back, you respected it. There wasn't a lot of screens. There was really Instagram was just coming up. So filming was done very separately. The hype was real. A lot of these people, same reason that people do it now, people are doing it for the love of the game. And I remember walking into that, and I was a very young a young coach, a young lifter, young in the sense of inexperience. But I knew that I wanted to be a part of this community. Um, we went in there with the same attitude we have now. I remember helping load plates. I remember giving people belts and chalk and ammonia and coaching you guys and getting the guy in the corner that looked alone and being like, hey, man, you got a team with you? And there was only three or four of us lifting. That's when we traveled like four or five strong. You know, we didn't have 20 people with a battle axe shirt. In fact, we didn't have matching battle axe shirts because <laughs> I made like three at a time because they were expensive. Yeah. And then, you know, I remember being a part of that community as I was also part of the strongman community. And although I was akin to the strongman community, I said, I, I, I can do this. I know I can do this. I know I can be a bigger part of this. Um, I, I just knew I wasn't ready yet. Uh, in a sense, I just knew I didn't deserve it yet. Um, I come from the school of thought. I don't know how people think nowadays, but I come from the school of thought that to be, to put skin in the game, you have to have been in the game first, right? Get some meets under me. Get some athletes committed with my, with my gym here. Uh, coach at them. Lift at them. Uh, get to know the more experienced judges and lifters. Stop being seen as the new kid. Um get respect like people look at me like hey mike not just hey because you don't remember my fucking name 
not looking at my shirt like what gym is that or where is that at or oh miami has that and these weren't negative things it's just i yeah. didn't deserve it yet just like in strongman like i remember going to competitions and you're like mdo what i'm like you can just call me mike because <laughs> nobody wanted to call me mdop because who the fuck are you and right. that's exactly the way it should be um and so I knew that it was going to happen. And I even said it. I said, this is going to be ours. And I fucking swear I said that. Um, just like I said it in Strongman. I was like, one day I'm going to host it in, in Miami and we'll see. And flash forward or fast forward to 2018, there was a falling out. Um, there was a falling out between USPA and other lifters. And they know who the fuck they are. And everyone knows who the fuck they are in the situation. And everyone's going to say, fuck this and fuck them. But just like everything else, the battle action has nothing to fucking do with it. I chose my side based on the fact that I had no problems with one side. And the other people made their decisions. I like the USPA. I've Rich has treated us well. And I said, you know what we're going to do? I would love to. I even told him later on. He ended up having a, a meet with Hybrid uh, in Miami. And I told him, hey, man, when you're ready, I'm down. And I told him, I can put on a fucking show. And, you know, that went that way. They ended up going to the WRPF. I believe that's what it's called. I'm not 100% sure about the federation. I don't know anything about it, but that's a separate uh, federation that opened up. So now in Florida, we have those three main ones aside of USAPL. And uh, I'm like, I want the throwdown is what I told Rich. I and, didn't want And that like, was at the hybrid meet? Right after. Right after. Um, I believe at Battle of the Bay 2019 is when we really solidified it, although we have been talking about it. Yeah. So the people not lifting or that don't know exactly about powerlifting and all this stuff and all these federations sound like mumbo-jumbo, that's fine because <laughs> I totally understand. It basically boils down to one thing. When you want something, you put in the fucking work, you shut the fuck up, and you let your su success speak for itself. You don't go finger-pointing. You don't go fucking accusing people on Instagram. I didn't do any of that bullshit. I don't know who did it. I don't give a fuck. Because the only time I have to say something, I say it to your fucking face. I have that mutant power that when I don't like you and I'm mad, the whole fucking room knows. So where my heart, not on my sleeve, dog, in between my eyes. It's <laughs> disgusting. Like, I suck at poker because if you beat me, I'm like, I hate you. I hate this game. I hate this casino. I'm going to throw something. That's me. I'm a small child. Still like that. I'll spill your drink. I'm done. It's done. It's done. I like winning. Oh, whoopsie. Someone's real clumsy. <laughs> oh, whoopsie. You ran into my fist. Um, and, and that's really what it boils down to. There's been a lot of beef. And I knew, John, that this meet was important for a lot of things. Because that split that happened and, and lifters going one way and lifters going another way, the whole state, this isn't bullshit. This isn't a soap opera bullshit I'm making up. This is a fact. We all didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, there was legitimate beef. And now we're like, oh, so what side of the school bus do I sit on? Like, do, do I sit with the cool kids or the nerds or the jocks? That kind of ended up being like, you felt like you were in high school. Like, yeah. if I go to a federation, am I going to be laughed at? Or do I go to this federation because this person lived here? Instead of it just being like, we're all USPA or we're all going to go to this meet. It ended up being like, oh, you know, Florida needs to become, this is my favorite line. Make Florida powerlifting great again. That was a motto being thrown. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay you know uh, hold my fucking beer yeah like, and literally yeah and i'm like and that's if to answer a question you're gonna remember why i said that um <laughs> you're really gonna remember why i said that and um so now it's like shit you know you're looking at these young kids that are watching this drama unfold on instagram and you know some lifters were never gonna lift alongside this people and some coaches weren't gonna be allowed in this federation 
I was like, damn, dude, like now what do we do? And this landed on my lap. Like, this was not supposed to happen. Yeah. You know, I was looking forward to lifting with all these people because for the most part, dog, I have friends on both sides of the table. And yeah. friends, acquaintances, people that I like, people that I respect, that's that's just the way life is. Like, sometimes you fuck with people that other people don't fuck with. That that doesn't make you a bad guy. That just means people don't fuck with you. That's what that means. Like, don't fuck with me and don't fuck with people I like. Yeah. But let's draw these lines, right? I was like, man, this is not, this is, this is why I powered it, so I have to get away from real life, you know? Well, you had said something during that was happening, and I don't know if you remember saying this, but you had you had said, I think it was an Instagram post, or maybe you said it on a podcast, but you said, do not ask me what side I'm taking because I will always take the side of the sport. Oh, yes. We said it on a fucking podcast, and it's true. I didn't, uh, you, you, can, you can ask everybody. And I told Rich, I'm like, I'm going to do what's best for the sport. I, you can ask, you can call him right now. I didn't say nothing. I didn't say, I just said, I'm going to do what's best for the sport. And then the, my meat will speak for itself. And I wrote about it too. If it gets that fucking nerdy kid off the couch, and I don't mean to say nerds are bad because I'm a big nerd myself, mm-hmm. but if it gets that scared child or guy or girl to get in there in that gym and and lift and make themselves better and show up to a meet and lift in front of their parents or family or or significant others and feel like a giant, if not for one day, I don't give a fuck about your federations. I don't give a fuck about who do you like or don't like, but that's what we're here for. Yeah, That's what coaches are here for. That's what show promoters are here for. That's what gym owners are here for. Remember those things. Gym owner, show promoter, and coach. And if you can sling dick with all three of those, you're a bad motherfucker. Hi, my name is Michael Delapop. <laughs> and I knew it because I can say, you can say all that you want, but if you're not part of the difference, you can become really like a big part of the problem. Yeah. I'm like, and this landed on our lap. This this division, I'm like, I remember going, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, now what? You know, like yeah. now a meet that we're all going to, all going to lift and have like great numbers and incredible lifters because both sides or whatever sides some fucking great lifters i'm like yeah Damn, man like this happened happened in 2019 this couldn't happen like in 2020 because 2019 is already a trash year yeah and this is what landed on our lap at the beginning of the year oh, man. <laughs> yeah dude so why for you you talked about earning this meat and you you talked about being younger and you said that you weren't prepared, you weren't ready, you hadn't earned it. What brought you, obviously, it kind of fell into your lap, but you also had to make the cognitive decision to be like, I'm ready. What made you feel ready? And then why was it important that this be hosted by you specifically? Or the Battle Axe, I should say. Um, I really, okay, so on my personal life, I have a, some of the characteristics I share with my personal life that I do as a business owner and and, and coach and athlete. Obviously, not all of them, but um, one of my favorite things is is to prove yourself. I mean, it's just the way I was brought up. It was the way I was brought up in sports, especially in martial arts as a fighter. I mean, if you're not winning, at least you know you better be doing something. Um, I hate, and the word is hate. When somebody is on the scene who hasn't proven anything to anyone, especially themselves, you can see that weakness a mile away. You can see someone who 
is not confident truly within themselves because they haven't proven anything to themselves. It's just like being an extrovert or an introvert doesn't necessarily prove alpha or dominance. I've seen some quiet guys walk into a room where I'm like, man, I really don't want to fuck with that guy. <laughs> because you can see as an animal, because yeah. we're animals first, you can see that confidence, that self-assurance that they've been through some shit. Yeah. Whatever mannerism you pick up on. I knew I didn't have that then. I knew that when I walked into a room, although, you know, we we have that swag and I understand that I can be charismatic or loud or whatever. It didn't come from a, always from a place of confidence in this world. It came from a place of curiosity and to be adventurous and to be ambitious like a younger man. Like I wanted to test and probe and, and, and try and learn and fail. Yes. And I, that spirit is very much alive in me and the athlete and a personal, on a personal level. But I also wanted to walk into a room and just sit there and not say a fucking word. And everybody's like, Oof. We know that guy. Yeah. Don't fuck with that guy. I knew that this was my time. And it came from also hosting Miami's Baddest, who will always be my baby. Yeah. That's, that's going to be my baby. It's going to die with me. and Or hopefully not with me. Maybe other people are carrying on. But you understand. Yeah. After hosting the fourth one, I was just like, we're good. Like, no, we're, <laughs> not, we're like, we're really good at this. And that's. So you could say good. that that. This year's Miami's Baddest was your segue to be like, okay. You know, and when we when when we got the Miami Throwdown 2019, I was still thinking about Miami's Baddest. Yeah. And anxious. And I'm always anxious about it. But never not as much as I was the first one. Which if you we did have a whole podcast on the on Miami's Baddest, if you want to catch that up. Um we had that. I had now that confidence going into where I was so calm going into Miami as bad as four that I was like, this is weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And after that, I go, I'm going to fucking crush throwdown. Like uh, you had that. I'm like, look how good we did with a much more complicated sport where we were in charge of scoring, judging, loading, spotting, parking, food. Everything was, everything was battle axe. Yeah. And I knew going into throwdown where I had Rich doing the actual sport with his great team. I'm like, so you're telling me all I have to do is run the show? I'm like, I don't have to MC or anything or worry about points or loading. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. And it also came from building over time. I knew I was, I had to be honest with myself. And I could have jumped in at 2016. But what people have showed up 2016 the way they showed up in 2019 going, hey, by the way, this is a battle axe competition, so it's going to be good. It's going to be a tight ship. It's going to be no bullshit. It's going to be great. This is people that care about the sport. These are real motherfuckers. No, we hadn't proven it yet. But when you the vibe started coming off of what? The way we've acted at meets, the way we respected other lifters, whether we like them or not, the way we load plates, the way we act as a clan, as a culture, our shirts, our matching, our matching colors, the way we've treated our the treated the seniors in the sport, the way we treat the people coming up, the way we've built something from nothing, the way we back up our talk, the way that retail was built here, that we started a podcast, that we started a fucking YouTube, that we host fucking uh, meet um, uh, seminars, seminars, that we bring big fucking names down, yeah. that we've built the fucking website, that we've built all that shit from dust. Now in 2019, I can say, well, man, I'm ready. 
And I needed to feel it in my fucking bones before I, I really dug at it. Because I could have asked a long time ago. Yeah. But I wasn't ready. Like me personally, how can I stand there in front of a gym of people and a culture and stand on stilts rather than stones? Hmm? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, something in there that you said about working alongside of people that you don't like. Do you think or did you ever struggle with that? Or say, for example, as a coach with your lifters, knowing your lifter doesn't like whoever's there or yourself, you know, in your young man Logan days where you were just <sighs> just fight. Yeah, yeah, you just like um, it was probably harder to suppress the fighter in you with yeah. so did that involve with time or experience or both or how did that Yeah, that's a good question. Um when I was younger, I'm not saying I'm old, but 10 years ago when I was younger, success to me came through fighting. I wasn't a professional fighter, but Martial arts and fighting was very popular, so it was a way of what? Uh, gaining respect, um, gaining prowess. I was pretty good at it. I had easy access to it. I just lived and breathed it. So to me, it's not like I went out fighting people, please. <laughs> the people that know me personally, I'm not an antagonistic person, but it was certainly something that was more on the forefront of my mind. Mm. Even I remember going to people, hey, man, I got the keys to the gym. We can go bang it out right now, a few rounds. I even let you wear gloves. We'll do it like men. Who says that? <laughs> you know, like, um, Probably most guys from like <laughs> like uptown like New Russia, York. Yeah. Hey, hey, buddy, you want to hey, fight here, pal? Yeah, come here. Like fucking bash your teeth in. Your mom's grave is the best. <laughs> it's like my aunt down the street. Uh, and uh, I, I had success to me back then was also like consistently having to be outwardly proving things. Mm. You know, run faster, be taller. And I'm not tall, but you get it stronger, leaner. Fight more, kick more, whatever. Yeah. Obviously, um, things were very uh, selfish. They were about me and me alone. As I got older and put in a position of leadership, um, the right path or the way is not a singular person. Your actions or my actions now reflect heavily upon others. Success, my success, has to come at the success of those who believe in me. So if I go through around fists and picking fights and being publicly disrespectful for no apparent reason or just for stupid reasons, I didn't only let myself down. I've let dozens of people down who have put their name, their brand, their businesses, their trust, their love, respect, and belief on my back, and I just collapsed mm. because I couldn't hold it. Because acting selfishly as delicious as it feels <laughs> is typically and almost always the wrong way. And... I don't live that life. Obviously, I, I love the, the lone wolf concept and I've explained the idea of the social lone wolf. But my success has never come through solitary confinement. On the contrary. Um, so the difference is there now. I understand when I have, I've been in guys coaching as meets where like, it's the truth. I, I rub people the wrong way in certain ways and that's just the way it is. And I know that I walk into some circles and I'm not liked and I love it. Because no one says anything mm -mm. for whatever fucking reason, whether they're being political or scared shitless or maybe because they can just know they can fucking kill me. I don't give a fuck. But that's the way I, I don't have to go outwardly anymore. I don't have to go out unless you obviously do something stupid, disrespectful Then anyone would say something. But how can I tell my lifter to grow as a person if I'm out there acting like an asshole? Remember, as a coach and as a person of business, it can't be the person that I am on an extremely personal level.
So when I have to deal with people that don't like each other, coaches that don't like each other, people come into venues that I know are not going to like each other, we've always said it. The battle axe is like Switzerland with nuclear weapons. You come into the gym or you come into our space because you love the sport, because you respect the sport, and if you're going to act selfishly, then it's going to come with repercussions because now you're acting outwardly to damage something that's bigger than you. And there has to be people that draw a line in the sand to say, you're fucking wrong. I, I don't know when it became wrong to tell people you're wrong, but it's bullshit. I don't know. I wrote about it on a story. Like I don't know when it's like, oh, I understand your feelings. It's okay. No, motherfucker. You're being wrong. You're making people feel uncomfortable. You're being fucking rude, and you're going to get fucked up. That's it. That You're wrong. I don't understand when they have to be like, oh, being mindful. Shut the fuck up. I know what mindful is. I practice it, dog. I studied it. I took courses. One of my good friends, Lucas, was on our fucking show. He's like one of the most popular motherfuckers in the nation right now. Mm-hmm. I know what it means. But it doesn't mean not standing up for something. And it doesn't mean not standing up for someone. So, yes, there's a, there's a certain matter of understanding. But there's also a matter of drawing the line in the sand. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you may not like someone. That's fine. That's your. That's that's on you. But when that disrespect starts crossing the line into something bigger than they are, bigger than you are, there has to be someone or some people or something that says that's wrong. And I know it's a little bit of a sidetrack, but I it, I feel it in my bones because that was a major reason why we wanted to have such a successful show. It's like, it look at this. It doesn't matter what we feel in our stupid little feelings. Look at the faces of all these fucking happy lifters and people. It's, it's so much bigger than our finger pointing, dude. And there has to be somebody that shows everyone else, hey, dude, you're fucking wrong. So eat dick. This is what right looks like, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I, 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 hopefully when I talk to my guys, I'm like, swallow your shit sandwich. Yeah. When you get your total PR, you're going to shut everybody the fuck up. When you come back from injury, you're going to shut that guy up. When you're still lifting six years from now, and that motherfucker is a fat piece of shit, you're going to be all right. Mm. Mm. I like that. What's your advice to those people who separated from the sport like that? What would you tell them now? and Say, for example, they come to you and they say, hey, I want to do throwdown next year i saw it i believe in it what would you what would you tell them now oh yeah i love this i actually i ran through this crossroad there's been there have been people over time that probably have never supported anything we've done who will suddenly now start supporting us because i mean why i mean why not it's a fucking brewery yeah initially i practice these things in my head and the first initial one is to typically be rude. Like, fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, this move where you yeah. do this right yeah. here with the hands tight to the yeah. chest. Yeah, like, well, you're going to yeah. fucking. Yeah, yeah, when I start I to get. I hate when you do that. I'm so pissed. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. Um, and then again, I come through that crossroad and conundrum that we all go through when you're a fucking adult. Um, and I tell you what, there is no better feeling. And when someone who has never supported you eats off the crumbs of your success. I'll repeat that because I want you to say it to your fucking brain. There is no better feeling in life. None. Not for me. When somebody who has never supported you 
comes to eat the crumbs off your success. I see it. I see it like I'm eating in this amazing. I went from I went from eating off the floor to sitting in this banquet Game of Thrones fucking hallway, and I can see them crawling on all fours, eating the crumbs off my cheese that I happen to just dust on the floor, and they're looking at me like, "Man, I would love to sit there." And you know what I say? Have a seat, bro. Cut yourself a piece of turkey. That tastes good, right? Here, no, no, no. Here, here's some gravy. Please, sir, I uh, have yeah. some more. Take that gravy, bro. So that goes good, right? You like that? <laughs> Get all pervy voiced. Because what? In, in essence, everyone wins. Yeah. Some people, and this is true, are too prideful and too angry or too whatever to say they're sorry. I get it, dude. I get it. Especially Miami. I get it. Or they just don't feel like they're wrong. And maybe I am wrong. Maybe I am wrong. You know, maybe I've done something wrong. I don't even recognize my selfishness or crazy person mentality. But when somebody comes up to you like, hey, man, I'd love to do it next year. I'd love to be a part of it. What you just told me is that I'm right. Or even better, that we're doing something right to bring people that probably would have never gotten along together. Yeah. To sit as on a table, whether they're as enemy or as friends or distant cousins or whatever. Something right is happening, and you're both. We're both gonna have to swallow. You just, I probably just swallow less than you, fucker. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be real with you, man. It's yeah. like it's, man. It's like, here's a good little like an example. You grow up having a shitty car your whole life, and you're that fucking guy. Yeah, no one wants to ride with you. No one wants to give you gas money, and you shut the fuck up. Suddenly, you pull in a sweet ass fucking ride, and there's that same nigga going. Damn, dog. You mind if I ride with you? You know what I'd say? Yeah, man. What's your favorite song? <laughs> That's me. It's like, que rico, but this guy sitting next to me knowing when he goes to bed at night, fuck, this guy's got a sweet fucking car. By him doing that, or I say him, but it can be anybody, that's an admittance of something. That's a, that's, this is something happening. Success speaks much louder than me telling that guy no. Mm. Now what am I going to do? Perpetuate bullshit? Then I'm that guy again. No, fuck you. We're not working together. Fuck you, buddy. For what, dog? I'm 35. Yes, give me your money. <laughs> yes, come, come, come tag us. Yeah. We all win. We all rise. I get my shit. I feel great. You come lift and you have a beer. Who fucking cares? Well said. Well said. So, uh, God, this is just, just the tops. Obviously, I would have requested the Best of Blues Traveler album. Oh wow! Mm. First of all, I, I love that <laughs> fucking. I love him. <laughs> so, uh, this is this is one of the ones that I think is kind of a cool. We we did talk about um, your transition, obviously, for me. You know, wanting to become a pro strongman. Uh, so, when did the dream of being a pro strongman shift into a dream that represented uh, the entire axe instead of MDLP as an athlete? Like uh, a particular time or moment or moments where you were like, man. Oh, good question. Fuck. Maybe. You know, I deal with that personally sometimes as an athlete, whether things are shifting or changing. I was going to write about it eventually as I get older and more beat up and don't recover the same and things change. But mm. you have to come to terms eventually that everything ends. And 
I'm a fatalist at heart. And obviously, that's why I made a shirt that says that. Everything does come to its close. Maybe I'll fight it more than others. Maybe I've been fighting it for a long time. It's a sense of introspection, a sense of clarity. Um, but nothing more bittersweet than when I got hurt for real. And I thought, when I originally thought, well, it's over. Now what? Um, you know, emotionally, spiritually, physically at rock bottom. I wouldn't say financially, although it became apparent that maybe I would be. If I couldn't use my body, how would I, how would I make money? And I thought, well, this can't last forever. I can't be MDLP, the strongman, forever. Um, which is why I dive so deeply into coaching and helping others. And I don't necessarily would say that I'm ready to have shifted out of that dream necessarily, but I most certainly feel that I'm strong enough to share these perspectives currently. Maybe I'm, I don't want to use the term strong in a kind of arrogant fashion, but I feel I'm strong enough currently to carry the weight of being a coach and an athlete, and it's a delicate dance. I mean, in my mind, I feel like it's a guy carrying a large stone on his back up a rocky cliff. So there's no straight path. There's no easy footwork. There's no painless position to be in. Everything's this kind of jagged stone climb, um, but it's worth it. And I realized that because of that clarity I had and how things are changing physically, that there had to be another way of having the same fulfillment that I had as an athlete, and it was sharing it. Um, you know, it's just like how you travel. When you travel and you're younger and you're alone, you really don't want anyone with you. You want to go by yourself. You want to experience everything. You want to put your dick into everything and drink every drink possible, and you want to come back and say everything. You want to be the cool guy in the room that's been everywhere. And as you get older, you want to share it with somebody, whether it's a friend or a significant other or a family member. You know, you're out there across the ocean. You're like, man, I wish, you know, it's 12 o'clock at night and you're at this pub in the middle of nowhere. Like, damn, I wish I had a little shoulder to lean on and be like, hey, do you remember what we did today? You I know, sure do wish Johnny Banks was here <laughs> in Ireland with me. <laughs> you're not wrong. Uh, okay, you're not wrong. Yes. Um, and that that dives deep into I'm obviously extremely cerebral and my brain's all over the place, but that's where I felt that things had to start shifting, um, and and maybe a parallel shift or a parallel, like I said, carry two things at one as long as I can. Mm. Eventually, one's gonna win out. We both know it's not competing, right. and it's you. The other side deserves as much energy. And as much passion and fervor, and the day comes when that's just going to have to be a decisive action. Um, but I want to set myself up. <clears throat> I want to set myself up for that day and step into it like a perfect transition, like a man proud. Not a regretful, uh, back in my day, but more yeah. like I did what I had to do. I'm ready. Yeah. Retiring with like a dignity, you know. A pride. Winning you know, a chip. Yeah, and still compete, but not like. Don't talk to me for eight weeks. It's like, well, I'm going <laughs> to compete next week. We'll have a beer after. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. So you, you talked about that climb. Does that climb have a mountaintop? And if it does, what is it? Man. Ugh. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> um, <laughs> again, it's funny because I hope that in 10 years we can listen to these podcasts and I can laugh when I talk about when I was a younger man. 
if I make it to 45, we're sitting down and having like a so fucking marathon. We're going to be so, oh, we're going to be in our like later prime. So close to dying. It's going to so, be great. So, yeah, I'm going to be already <laughs> down, like looking for retirement homes and shit. Just tons of drugs. Um, we'll totally compete in retirement homes, though. Yeah. You um, hear us, old men? That's right. On that wooden porch, like wooden porch, cracking shit. It's fuckers. Uh, the so. most violent men in bingo. <laughs> We have a walker just, just beating the shit out of people We know we don't need it <laughs> Taking away their oxygen mask You're an idiot pal <laughs> Breathe now I, I think we think about this This is, this is us Sad um, but true um, the, the amount, So when I was And I want to say younger Only in maybe uh, Maybe less mature If mature is what you want to call me Or less wise Or less experienced Every time you set on a climb Like that's all you set your gaze upon Like there has to be a top You know and I mean, that's all I've always won. I've always thought uh, winning, ending, finishing, trophies, medals, uh, coming home in this fucking parade in my mind, you know, playing like Conan the Barbarian music and fucking confetti being thrown at me and giving this fucking crazy respect that I fought my whole life for. Um, and I, it, it is part of that. That is part of that. Um, and as you get more experienced or older or whatever, you still have perspectives on what uh, the mountaintop mountaintop could be, but you start to fall in love with the climb. And and I and I say it consistently. And I believe it's a term that has to be earned because I I feel like too many people say it and don't mean it, like all of us do in many things. But oh, it's all about the experience. I go, is it? I mean, like, how much have you been experiencing? Mm-hmm. What have you experienced? What can you tell me about your journey that's significant, that is exclusive to you, that's going to make me want to throw some stones on my back and go for it? Oh, you know, hardships. We all go through hardships, bro. Everybody's life sucks, dick. Life is awesomely hard. It's just the way it is. It's awesome, but it sucks. Awesomely hard. That's crazy. So <laughs> That's what she said? Not, th- not this guy. I mean, <laughs> how about that weight cut week? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it 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 um it, it boils down to that there do I see the top? Yeah. As an athlete, pro card, I have that like I said, I have that chart behind my back. I was looking at it this morning, looking at things that I had written three or four years ago on my I had my spine injury and there's still things I still want. And there's still things I would love to cross off, you know, taking states, deadlifting eight hundred, pressing three fifty their goals all accumulated at the top. It's like, to me, is it a peak? No, but it's a top of something. Mm. Like, imagine, I don't believe, it's funny, I thought about this the other day. Maybe it's not so much a mountain top as much as, like, the top of a plateau where it's just, like, tons of shit I want to do. Yeah. Like, I'm so eclectic, and my brain is so, cr- I don't think I could have a peak with, like, a few things. It's just a lot of things I want to do that would be my mountain top, maybe peaks and valleys, you know? Like, you step into another aspect of it as an athlete of course my pro card and coaches have other lifters take world championships and things like that mm-hmm. um, but to me 80 90 percent of my mentality of my effort of my emotional journey it's 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 the climb and, and if you were to ask me the same concept going into hosting meets and shows i mean what's the best you know miami's baddest ever i'm like well i don't know this year's <laughs> and then they ask me next year like what well, next year's and the year after that, like it's just, you know, what'll be the top of that? I don't know, man. Like, just I want to improve incre- incrementally. That's what I'm obsessed with. Like just little small increments of being better. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm at. 
I love it. So I'm going to circle back a little bit because we were talking about the early stages of the Florida powerlifting scene. You were talking about people saying, make Florida powerlifting great again. <coughs> what was your opinion of the Florida powerlifting scene prior to you accepting hosting? Well, I'll be honest with you. I thought later towards the end of 2018 and the beginning of 2018 was bullshit. I thought it was fucking crazy over the top diva bullshit. Too many fucking cameras everywhere. Too much drama. Too much finger pointing. Too much people not getting their fucking asses kicked. Too much people saying shit that they should have been smacked in the face for. And I mean that on all sides, dog. Like, same thing, dude. I'm going to show one day I'm going to get what's coming to me. I mean, good luck, but <laughs> fuck it, man. If one day somebody's like, fuck you, Mike, bah, I'll be like, Hopefully ah. it's not a show where the ball of BB is actually going to get stomped by like gonna, 50 guys. Yeah, it's going to be, you know, we fight on fair too. Like, Facts. Or hope it's not a super heavyweight, like relax guy <laughs> with your banana fat hands. But, um, but you know, it, it was almost, it got to the point where like they weren't as fun anymore. Very clicky. And I understand clicks are natural, mm. but it, it just wasn't, you know, and it, it, it can happen in strongman too. Although I just haven't felt it that way in strongman, but I know it does. Um, but w- since we're talking about powerlifting, uh, it, it almost came like we we're just getting get out. You know, it's just everyone had something to fucking prove and everyone had to be on top of the next guy and the next big shit. And who was fucking who and who fucked over this person? I'm like, that's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. That's always going to be there. And that's great. But I'll tell you one thing that's very important, and we brought this, and I made this apparent and number one thing, and I didn't really talk about it too much. But the athletes don't run the fucking show. The sport runs the fucking show. The promoter, the team, the judges, they run the fucking show. You cannot let athletes run the show. And when I was going to some meets, it was bullshit. It's like, yo, I even said it. I go, if this is in Miami, I would fuck these people up. Like that. Like It was just like that. Like, who says that? We're at a powerlifting meet, homie. We're yeah. not in, like, fucking Miami Gardens. You know what I'm saying? We're not in Prime. Like, we're at a fucking ho- hotel lobby with scared white ladies outside. And it was stupid. I'm like, what is this, bro? Yeah. Like, what are we doing? Is this like an <laughs> N1 game in Harlem, dog? Like, chill. <laughs> It makes me laugh, dog, because you know where we grew up, and there's people listening out here that listen to this podcast that are harder than me going, I feel you, bro. It's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, no, bro. Like, athletes are meant to do one thing, compete. You can't let that, per- that the, the day of, athletes are insane. I get it. They're wild animals that have been let off their chains. They're aggressive. They say they're being set free. Oh, wow. Mm. It's set me free. Yes. Yes. You know, and that's what you feel like. And I get it. Like, it's 100%. like getting mad at a wolf that bites you. What did you expect, dumbass? Like, why'd you put your hand in the fucking cage? <laughs> yeah. You know, you fucking leave a piece of steak in front of your dog and he eats it unless you trained it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I saw, and it's like, it's not really their fault. It's that things, it, what happens again, we were spread so thin. Yeah. You know, we were losing judges left and right. We were losing leaders in the sport. We're now, uh, no longer supporting each other or at odds or pissed off at each other. So they weren't controlling athletes anymore. They weren't, they weren't the, the OGs in the sport going, hey, motherfucker, don't do that. Yeah. 
hey, put that back. Like, where, what happened to the leaders? What happened to the people that were the examples? Because I remember, we all remember, and motherfuckers, you listening to this know if you've done more than one sport in your life. There was always those, the stronger guys and girls, faster, uh, bigger, that they would do something, they would act a certain way. Mm-hmm. Correctly, they would put the weights back. They professionalism, professionalism, like athletes. Yeah, and you're like, I want to be like that guy, not the strongest guy in the room, is the biggest fucking asshole in the room. So what are they, What are you gonna create? More assholes, yeah. and no one's gonna stop these little assholes from coming up. No one's gonna stop their stories on Instagram because now it's so easy. Yeah, no one's gonna smack them in the face because you can't because everyone goes to fucking court. Right? Yeah. Because nobody wants to lose a tooth in a fight or get fucking stitches in your face, which looks good. Trust me, guys. Trust me. Girls love that shit. Scars are cool. Yeah, super cool. Nobody does that shit no more. Yeah. Or was doing it less. And I understand. You know why? Because people were tired. People were upset. People were betrayed and heartbroken on both sides. People were mad at each other. So why the fuck am I going to come to your show and act right when I don't have to? That's a fact. And that's this is a, if you're listening and you're fucking upset and you got goosebumps, it's because you know I'm right. You know I'm right on both sides. Both people felt this way. It's like, what's the fucking point? Sure. So I get it. So I said to myself, no way, dude. Mm. No way. Like, we need. this is what making Florida powerlifting great again. It's because it has to be about the sport. Because the sport, like we said it, is going to live longer than you and me. No one's going to remember your numbers. They're going to remember how you fucking acted, how you overcame hardships, how you treated other people. It's just the way it is. Now, I'm, please understand me that if you've got a fucking world record. Of course, you're going to remember it. But if you got the world record and you're a piece of shit, they're going to be like, that's that piece of shit with the world record. <laughs> yeah. Look 100%. at Floyd Mayweather. No offense, dog. But the motherfucker acts like a piece of shit. You know what they say about Floyd Mayweather? Great boxer, piece of shit person. Yeah. That sucks to be remembered. That's like his that. legacy. Yeah, dude. And I don't know him on a personal level. It's not like he's going to listen to this fucking podcast, but you understand what should. I'm saying? He should probably sponsor us too. Yeah. Oof. Take that money, though. 300, 300 million? Yeah. We don't like you. Just be, kidding. You're my favorite person. Too, yeah. <laughs> um, and that, that's where I saw that's where I saw powerlifting. And the term, make, let's make Florida powerlifting great again, yeah. was expansive. Sure. You know, and I wrote about it in the article. It, dude, it. It's the little, quote unquote, the little things. Mm. And I tell you when you run a show that somebody asked me, and we're going to get to it, but I'm going to get to it right. Yeah, let it ride. Right fucking now. Let's fucking do it now. Uh, uh, let me do a little sidebar. Yes, Because I've done two meets hosted by MDLP, and I want to tell you powerlifters, his speech was way more gentle than Strongman. <laughs> Yo. like strongman literally ended with, I will fuck you up, and you can get the fuck out. <laughs> and literally... Every heavyweight stood at attention and stopped doing the heavyweight sway that they They're do. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody stopped. They were like, "Yep, we better, we better go warm up." <laughs> Yo, and and I tell you, um, and it's it's that's funny you said that because Rich is the one that spoke to them, and he even said at the beginning, he's like, um, you know, the host is a lot less uh, courteous than I am. I'm like, yes, it's a good thing. <laughs> like, it's a good, and I loved it because I'll tell you what. Having somebody else help you with that part of the competition, with that part of the of of the of the meet was excellent. Yeah. And it helped me kind of put my focuses elsewhere, despite the fact that certain things had to be done. But people were a very common question that we asked on the on the internets. Um and we'll just we're gonna hop on the live briefly, um about twenty, thirty minutes because 
again, John has great questions, and honestly, we this could be a fucking four-hour podcast yeah. with what we're doing. Really but good. I feel like we're just—it's just perfect. One of the things that I was asked a lot by a few people were the behind the scenes. What are the behind the scenes? Um, what were the, the the nuances that came into putting a great meat, and uh, what people are considering the best meat in the state? Again, me personally, yeah, I fucking think so. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I do. I think we're the best meat in the state, but that's me. I'm biased as fuck, and I'm, of course I'm going to pat my people on the back, but I was getting this before I even wrote it down, and I waited to hear. I asked senior lifters, um, and I remember right before I get into the next moment, um, Molly and Pops from Ironbound, who have literally have been to hundreds of meets. They've been in the sport for 30, 40 years. Wow. And they both came to me like, we've been to hundreds of meets, and this has been the best meet we've ever been to. I was like, first of all, I got a huge crush on both of them. It's like a man and girl crush at the same <laughs> yeah. time. You know when you love a married couple, you're like, Ugh, yeah. yeah. You want to have a lasagna two. party? Yeah, like I would actually have a cup of wine. Nah, I don't know, <laughs> but I'll try. I'll try. I'll be like, and I go. <laughs> <laughs> this wine doesn't taste like whiskey. Yeah, idiot. what is this? Why isn't it brown? Um, <laughs> and that was amongst so many other lifters and comments and uh, and one of the major themes again was behind the scenes. I tell you what. Anything that's behind the scenes is just things that you haven't noticed yet mm-hmm. because you may have never been put in a position where you had to see it in that light. Here's an example. You know what I fucking hate? When I go to meets and the ammonia tablets are just thrown everywhere. Yeah. I go, I get it. I get it. You're in that zone. Yeah. But whose job is it to pick it up? I get it. As an athlete, I might not do that, but as an athlete, I do it all the time because when you're trying to deadlift six, 700 pounds, are you really going to stop and put it in the trash? <laughs> I'd be like, first of all, as a coach, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Right? When there's baby powder everywhere, when no one's telling the athletes, hey, man, don't fucking baby powder in the back seat. I said it. I got up at the at, on Sunday with everyone twice my size, and I go, I will see you in the back, nigga. I know that you put in the baby powder, and I'm going to fuck you up. Go outside. I can vouch for this. I was it's there. 100%, because I know. I get it. I've been there. That's behind the scenes, right? Yeah. But it's right in front of you. As a Most of the time, the guy putting on the meat is so fucking busy having an anxiety attack <laughs> that he can't have time for this. But I was lucky enough to have such a menu of, of lifters and helpers so when you're asking things like, here's an example, how many, where to put the chalk, how many chalk buckets, where it's seats so when people are wrapping their knees, they're not in the way, when the food starts, when the beer starts, people's empty cups, I hate that shit, that people just suddenly, again, there's an athlete being the wild animal, do you think they really care about where the Gatorade bottle goes? No, but when you see two Gatorade bottles on the floor, what is the next guy going to do? Fuck it. Let's just put it on the floor. And I went in the back. I'm like, throw your shit away. I'm not your mom. There's a fucking garbage can right there. And then what do you do? I got down and I picked up the bottles by myself and I let my lifters and or my helpers do it too. Because I get it. You're fucking raged up. The last thing you want to be do is told what to do. Trust me. I understand. <laughs> but let me show you that you're doing something wrong. <laughs> this is wrong. You're wrong. I don't give a fuck. You're yeah. wrong, dog. Treat each other with respect. No issues. And it's not like we had small dudes in the back or like our room was full of pussies, dude. There's enough dudes back there to take over a small town, dog. Yeah. And I know them. And some of them are bad motherfuckers. Tony was there with the pistolita shit, real world tactical. <laughs> that dude could shoot you across the room. And I'm and, and what happened? 
Nothing. Because everyone wanted to respect each other. Yeah. Because when you make everything easy around the athletes, they're not stressed. Yeah. They're not, they don't have to get mad at nobody because all they have to do is lift. They weren't even loading their own plates, homie. I had people loading up plates so that what? We can show you what a fucking room looks like. Yeah, actually, your your uh, clan kind of set the tone because as I was back there in the warm-up area, uh, pretty much nobody, everybody had at least another person with them. And so, like, the ironbound guys, you know, they were they were loading. And as, you know, I'm walking by and I'm going to sit to rest or whatever, they're like, hey, do you want to jump in on the warm-up? Like, literally ready to load for me. Right. You know, the Margate barbell guy, same thing. You know, hey, come, we're, we're about to start deadlifting, you know, come jump in and hit your warm-ups or whatever. So, the acts kind of set the tone for helping each other. And it just turned into this revolving door. Yes. Of everyone just doing the right thing over and over again. Bro, and I, I say, I've, I've, I've always bit my tongue for the sake of, of, obviously this is my podcast. I can say whatever the fuck I want. Um, but we were some of the some of the first people that were out there loading plates for everybody. Yeah. Not just our lifters, for everybody. I would like to say we were one of the first. If there was others out there that have been doing it for years, that's awesome. Maybe I'll hear your podcast one day or we get to talk to each other in real life. But like I said in my article, we've been doing, that's just what you do. I did it in fighting. We'd help people out. I did it in, in, in rugby matches. I did it at powerlift. I lent my shoes to Danny Vega, who was in my weight class at my first RPS meet, so that he could deadlift because he didn't have the right shoes. And I'm like, of course, dude. Yeah. My my Batman gray shoes that I have to this day that I love dearly. That's what you, that's what you do. You try to, hopefully he lifts at his best day. And I do the same thing. I mean, and we helped each other in the back. It's because yeah. it's you against the weight. It's you against the bar. And if you're fucking strong enough, it's just you and the bar and you're going to beat the other man, right? Yeah. So it, it just became part of that culture, part of that concept of, of helping each other out and doing these small nuances like behind the scenes means really things in your face that you just never noticed. Yeah. You know, correcting things, picking things up, putting the baby powder in the right area, uh, making sure chairs are organized, little things like throwing bottles away. Is that really crazy? No, it's, it's telling people, hey, bro, don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Like, and I tell you a funny fucking story. And uh, if he's listening to his podcast, I'm going to laugh. Um, but whatever. I know I've done this shit in my life, so I don't, I don't know. So we had a, a little area, <laughs> a story that no one knows about, is an area uh, where we had like our monsters and we had our water. It was in the back, like behind a bar, like, you know, whatever. And somebody, they tell me, hey, man, this kid went back there and grabbed two monsters and a Gatorade. I go, was he staff? They're like, no. I said, okay. So two things could happen. I can just let this happen or I can correct it. So I'm like, okay. So I went <laughs> to the back and I saw the kid. I said, those monsters ain't yours, right? He's like, no. And he knew it. I'm like, don't fucking do that, man. That's for the staff. Good kid. Would I have done the same in the past? I've done the same in the past. <laughs> you see? So I, it's not like I was like, get the fuck out of here. It's more like, don't fucking do that, dog. He's like, you can have it. I go, no, you can have it. Just if you want, grab the rain. That's free. But that's for the staff. Don't worry about it. Kid was great. Whatever. I'm not here to point names or nothing. But those are the nuances. 
Because when you let one person do that, then it's a joke. Then your show's a joke. Mm. Oh, I stole this. I go, no, it's no, you didn't steal it. I let you have it. Because if you steal from me, that's you're fucking with the wrong <laughs> everything, right? Yeah. And I get it. I've done that before. I'm like, oh, look, there's free Gatorade. It's not free Gatorade. It's like there's free sandwiches. That's not for you. That's for the staff. <laughs> but no one there to control it. Because the athletes run amok. And I get it. But not in Miami's bad. This was one of my favorite things I wanted to do. Make Florida powerlifting great again. Run a fucking meet. Run it to the T. Like to everything like we do Miami's baddest. So that lifters can just worry about lifting. The audience can worry about being an audience. And the crowd can worry about being a crowd. Mm. And I, one of the, I forgot one of the questions too on the Instagram. They were asking me like what made you choose. Um, a bre- oh, Ironbound asked me. What gave you the idea to doing a, a brewery? <laughs> Again, like to what I said earlier in the show about holding my fucking beer. Yeah. Yeah, hold my fucking beer and watch this. It was absolutely metaphorical and visual. Like, I wanted you to hold my beer and watch. That was where that came from. Literally see what you did there. You see that? And we wow. can use the word literally. Because that's how my brain works. Because I'm like, <laughs> I love visuals, bro. Obviously, I'm a dude. <laughs> but that was one of the main, I'm like, oh, man. Like, you know, the terminology has always made me laugh. Um, yeah. And aside from that, of course, I'll be very real with you. As soon as it's the benching portion of the powerlifting meet, it's really boring. Yeah. I'm sorry, man. Like, strongman to me, oh, I love everything. I'm yeah. biased. Whatever. No, Most I, people would agree, though, right? I would I would say I would say there's nothing like... Strongman's just constant action, and it's just uh, doing both. Like, it's, it's, strongman is just... It's ugh. yeah. I tell people all the time. I'm like, man, if you're if you're gonna get into strength sports, <clears throat> you should do. You should go to a strongman meet. Go be a spectator and and spend ten minutes in that crowd, and you will know. Yes, you'll know. Right, you'll know if it's for you or not. And yeah. and I knew it too. I was like, so what do you do? And I go, well, obviously, uh, you know, beers and alcohol is always a great um, a great lubricant, if you can say. But to the fact that it's got to be somewhat organized, I just don't want to have a stand of beer. Yeah. Um, and Vinny, one of our guys, Vinny, told me about Tank Brewery. Because um, I wanted to, as I've said, I want to do something big, like Miami-esque, like a, a big venue or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, oh, what about this brewery? I'm like, you know, I'm thinking most breweries are like what I've been to, not very big. And all the space is covered in, in fucking tanks. Yeah. And kegs. And we walked in there and I'm like... And I said, well, what, what can I use? They showed us the back room. I don't know if you guys were aware when there's a back room, it's a small back room. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, man, this isn't big enough. You know, like this is. And I go, how much of it can I have? And he's like, well, you can have all of it. I go, all of what? He's like, all of it. I go, the whole, the whole bar? He's like, yeah, we can clear this out. We had a jiu-jitsu tournament. We made a whole stage. I go, wow, my God. You know, in the back area was going to be our warm-up room. I already had visualized the two walkouts, the two platforms with a judge's table. Like, it just went like like that. I'm like, this is exactly how I see it. We're going to move these two. I go, can I move the pool tables? Because the, there's two pool tables where the two platforms were. No yep. one knows that. They're in the back. I'm like, and, you know, with the stand-ups and shit. And he's like, yeah, everything. And he was so cool about it that I was getting anxiety. <laughs> What's the catch, bro? Yeah, right. I'm like, what do you want, dude? Like, you want a kidney? Because I can get, I mean, one's already fucked up, I'm sure. And, um, <laughs> yeah. And it was like, yeah, right. When you dance with the devil, we're getting some comments on there by Vinny. But, and they asked me, how long did it take? Well, it took, I go, it took me 10 minutes and a beer. Wow. And that's ex- a true story. Vinny was there. I said, 
Let me have a beer, show support. Let me sit with him, tell him who I am and what I want. And he's like, yeah, cool. This is just what the guy I'm talking to is Jago, the guy talking about all the like the events and stuff there. And as time would progress, we'd hammer out the details. And uh, and lo and behold, uh, come the day of, you know, we worked 16-hour days each day, loading and all that stuff. And uh, the, the idea for the temporary came from that, the hold my beer and watch me do what I do, but also the fact that it gives people something to do. And mm-hmm. we, set up in a, we set it up in a way that was strategic. Again, behind the scenes, quote-unquote details. It's in your face. When you go to a meet, you're like, what do I do with my hands? Like, you know, you're sitting down eventually like, okay. Yeah. So I was like, well, there's sports on. So let's be real. Are you really going to watch everybody bench? No. You want a little something. You know, we've had. uh, It's basically intermission. Correct. We've had events at bars before and stuff, but never like with that feel that you're in it. So we set up the tables where they can see and sit and watch at the same time and be at the bar and obviously support Tank Brewery and buy things, but also be the meat, stand by the door, get the vendors, buy products, all this stuff. And shit, man, it was just something that I envisioned day in and day out. And that was a major player. (laughs) I wanted it to be fucking, I wanted it to be cool. Like, and I hate to say that like I'm 12. It needed to have that Miami feel. Yeah. Yeah. It absolutely. If 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 you didn't have that, it would just be another meet. Right. It would be at a hotel, and I was like, okay, it's a hotel, but in Miami, where you're what, hundred and sixty dollars a night, yeah. to be at Miami. I'm like, at least pay for something cool. Also, ten minutes in a beer is a synopsis of my entire sexual history. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> do you- next shirts trademark. Fuck you. <laughs> Um, do you have a singular moment? Um, uh, this was a question that got sent us. Uh, I don't know if you want me to say, are yes, you sir. fancy? Yes. On yes, Instagram? yes. I remember. What was your proudest moment about this meet? Mm. You can just, you can leave me out. <laughs> leave me out. That's fine. Watching you, watching you and Vinny help you were. Oh, okay. Can I tell I'm, that story? Yeah, you can. Okay. You can. You, you can. go first and then I'll Okay. Go. You go. You, I go, you go. Yeah. I go, you go. Okay. okay. Um, there were a lot of moments, um, and I'll, and I'll be fair and I'll mention a few, um, having the girls being, um, uh, praised by rich and having two girl loaders there, Nicole and Alex work all day without having to be pushed out cause they're girls, because that's how we train women at the battle life gym, like fucking warriors, no bitching and moaning by anybody about them being there. That was great. Mm-hmm. Um, respected for their prowess and their ability to work because they had load kilos with me in Ireland and I'm a motherfucker. Uh, that was a good moment for us and for them. Um, and amongst everyone else that helped. Our loaders being told that we had the fastest meet, one of the fastest meets that I ever run, shout out to Spanky, um, was incredible because most of these guys have never loaded a kilo plate in their life. Mm. This is first timers for everything. But I'd tell you that the moment that I sat quietly in a moment of introspection um, is that picture I posted with my my leather uh, hat um, is when I saw the platform banner mm-hmm. and how long it took me to have that and how long it took us to have something. Like every time I said Battle Axe platform, it's like... It was just refreshing and uh, 
It was just brilliant, is what I would say. Super cool. It was, it's like a reminder of like what perseverance and just sticking to the fucking plan and just everything I talk about, you know, like, and I say it a lot, man, you know, everyone hears me, I'm sure they hear me on podcasts and they're like, oh, this guy lives his fucking life. I'm like, I don't, I try as a person. I try to be who I am as a coach and as an athlete and as a business, I try, you know. But to see that, and it says, you know, the Battle Axe Gym platform, the Battle Axe Presents, Miami Throwdown, which we called it that, because I'm like, it's not going to be the Thanksgiving Throwdown, it's going to be the Miami Throwdown, because it's cooler, and it's ours, and it's the 305. Um, Every single time, but that moment when we finally hung it up, and it was standing in front of that wooden, but it was just esoteric. Yeah. It was that moment, and you're like, man, we did it. You know, we did it. We did it. You know, seven years later of fucking proving yourself and 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 having a crew that deserves it, and that fucking badass fucking logo that Vinny did, and the gold oh. teeth and the the little nuances, you know, because the fucking fangs. And yeah. I was like, there were so many little nuances behind, like little things intertwined with everything. That I was like, there it is. Yeah. And that had to be the proudest moment because that moment signified. All of them put together. They, yeah. There would not be a throwdown if it wasn't for all of that. Like that banner just said it. Like bat, you know. Sure. That was definitely, that was definitely my proudest moment. I'd say. <laughs> well, touching on your proud Vinny moment, um, my coach for Miami's Baddest and Miami Throwdown was JT Donahue, friend of the podcast. Um, helped us actually through our first few episodes get set up. So appreciate that. So he. Um, was actually at a bachelor party for our friend Eric in Texas, so he couldn't make it. Oh, okay. So I'm like, all right, well, obviously I can't ask Mike to do it because he's <laughs> going to be very busy. I'm like, I wonder if Vinny could help me. Oh, yes. So I reached out to Vinny, and I said, Vinny, look, man, I I really would prefer you to do this for me because I don't really know what I'm doing here, and I also don't really trust anyone more than I trust you guys to do it. True. And uh, he's like, yeah, sure, I'll help you. I'll, I'll ask Mike. Um, he's like, I, I don't see it being a problem because you guys are going to be too tall for me to help spot. Right. So I had never worked out second or third attempts. Right. I had only had, a, had idea, an idea. idea of what your first is. Right. Oh, and so I go, <laughs> so he comes up to me and he's like, so you know what your openers are? I'm like, yeah. I mean. Yeah, I got an idea. <laughs> and he's like, awesome, good. Right. So. We go through the opener, or I hit my, my first squat or whatever. And he's like, that looked pretty good. What's your next one? I said, I don't know. <laughs> and he's like, well, what do you mean you don't know? What do you mean you don't know? Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know. I I didn't, me and JT didn't get time to talk about it. You know, it's one of those things that I was told, you know, when we talked about it before. Day of. You're like, you really want to see how you feel, right. how the bar moves, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so what do you think? And he's like. What do I think? Ugh. And I grabbed him by the shoulder and I said, you know what, Vinny? I trust you. Just pick the number. Pale white. Yes. Pale <laughs> fucking white. I could see his fucking face <laughs> from the stands. Uh. He's like, no. And I'm like, Vinny, I trust you. Mm. Pick him. And all of a sudden, like, just as soon as I said, I trust you, pick them, he just, like the machine turned on. Go mode. He's like, I got you. Walked over. John Banks. And as I didn't even stay for, to listen to the number. I just went in the back. Mm -hmm. And we went through each lift that way. And <sighs> it's the funniest thing because everyone kept coming up to me like, oh, what'd you hit? 
I don't know. <laughs> I saw you. I remember, well, like I saw you just walk away. I'm like, I know what's happening. <laughs> because Vinny's like that a lot too. It's more like we have a plan of execution. Yep. And I picked the numbers. And um, and I saw you guys working. I didn't say nothing. Um, and again, that was if I had to say another uh, a proud moment was that. Because you're watching one of yours coach another one of yours, you can say in a sense, you know, somebody. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, and I, and here's how I, I funny because he's like, I mean, he came up to me on the deadlift and he's like, hey, John's going to go on this one. Like this one is like the deadlift. We really have no. I'm like, OK, I'll watch because um, Corey was going on the other side. And shout out to Corey. Yeah. Wow. From what a story. Yeah. Dog. Coming out, he couldn't squat 135. Yep, without I any remember. And squatted records. Um, and again, gym owner, show promoter. Mm-hmm. You know, this is an athlete. Like, this is, you know, this is fucking slinging dick here. I hosted a seminar. Hosted a seminar. Like, Iron Knight and, and, and Girls of Powerlifted, they're slinging dick. Yep. You know what I mean? So, anyways. Um, <laughs> so, I, I, you took your opener. It was like 512, I think, something like that. 501? 501. 501, yeah. Oof, still got it. <laughs> and uh, I saw it. And I go up to him. And I look at the table. And I look at him. And I go, he goes, he looks at me. And I go, what would you pick? And he looks, <laughs> and, I, and he knew, you know, he knew it in his face. He was being tested. And he goes, 523. I'm like, that's exactly what I would say. And then we took 523, and he, he killed it. And I was same, same thing. Um, and he goes, and this was the last one you did. And he's like, I looked at that. And I looked at him. I go, oh. And like knowing, I go, what would you pick? He's like, I was like, five. I go, I think 556. He's like, oh, I was going to get 551. I go, good. I'd go with 551. He goes, no. I go, no, no. I go five fifty one's a perfect number. Yeah, and you and you got it. You know, nine for nine, first meet. You did everything the way you're supposed to do, and in that moment, in these moments, you know, you're watching you be what he was. Yeah, just don't tell me, just do it. And you know, and you get in that machine mode, which is credit to you. It's not an easy thing to do, as much as people think it is. Yeah, and watching him pick the numbers, <laughs> I laughed because he came later to me and he's like, "Bro, I don't know you fucking do it." It was. <laughs> It was one of those moments, and um, and he's gonna laugh about it, hearing about it. Um, and you you laugh about this now because in ten years, when we're sitting at a table having whiskey, telling war stories, this is what we're gonna talk about. Mm-hmm. We're probably gonna forget these numbers. I mean, me for sure. sure. You maybe not, but I didn't even I, know them to begin right, with. Right, so they're easy. You know, to I forget. can't tell you my first <laughs> my opener in any fucking meet, um, <laughs> except an old deadlift. But um, this is what I'm talking about. You know, this is what this is what builds meats, mm-hmm. and I wrote about it. Uh, this is this is what builds good meats, because people are put in a position to build stories, to lengthen legacies, to build courage, and to overcome fear. You're not sitting there worrying about getting into a fight or being put on blast in somebody's fucking story. Or being part of a meet that nobody liked. Or getting misloaded or misjudged consistently. Or that your family's bored. Or that no one's cheering you on. Because, you know, when you go up there and it's like, yeah, you know, that sucks. Yeah. It does suck. I've been at that end when it's like, yay. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and did you see what I did, idiots? Yeah, and I've been on the crowd where I'm like, this sucks. It's like church and one home. Like no one's written, you know? Yeah. And... I wanted I wanted a meet that was so powerful and it was so impactful that people were forced and allowed to be something great. That's what that fucking means. Yeah. Right? You're 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 put in a position where you have to be great. 
there is a pressure. You're in Miami. That, that's always like a thing, right? That we have here. Yeah, I don't sure. Know why bravado, bravado. You, you, you're in, you're you're part of the battle axe gym. Is presenting something. We come from strongman, so we have that attitude already, right? Yeah. Like most strongman, any gym is. A, we have that attitude. <laughs> and now you're in this place in a brewery when people are going crazy. People are being loud. People are are excited. There's yeah. big time lifters and everything, and everyone's being respectful. And, People you don't even know care about your shit. So now you're like, I don't want to let this stranger down that's helping me put on my belt or help chalk my back up. Yep. That's how you build. That's what shows are about, man. And I wanted that. And I see, I think about these things mm-hmm. because I've been doing this for a long time. And I've been on both sides of the meat as a experienced and inexperienced coach, as a scared and courageous athletes and I've been on the the receiving end of what it feels like to be talking to a judge or help things out, and I know all these things, and at least I know enough people that are can fill in the gaps for me. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that. So when people um, was was going on and these things were going on into the day, I was like, this is what I've been thinking about. The moment I was told it was mine, how am I gonna let people just fucking crush it? <laughs> you know, you weren't worried about where to sit. Or anyone being rude to you, or your numbers being wrong, or that you weren't in safe hands, right. that you were being misjudged or disrespected. Nobody give a fuck because in the long run, it's a sport. There was no beef; it was just a fucking number, and that's what I wanted the most. Um, and that's what that's what fucking happened, though. That you could actually happened. feel so when you're in the warm ups. So you come out of warm ups and you're standing behind the the curtains and you're uh, you know by your platform you could feel the energy shift as the lifters went so like you could feel that the right side of the room like who someone's going on the right side yes. right now because you could just feel that like the left tension. side right side yeah wow. the strong side, strong side. <laughs> so, um but yeah and you know it was that meat had created such a much like strongman and i'll say you know, when I competed in strongman, it was like you would go and then literally there'd be a line of people fist bumping you. And these are people you're competing against. Right. And they're like, fucking nice, good shit. Da, 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 da. So when I noticed what was happening um, is as I was lifting, I would come back and the guys who went before me stayed to watch me lift. Yeah. And they were like, oh, good shit. Like, and, and dapping me up. And uh, I'm like, Ooh. if this is what it's like, I want to do this forever. Mm-hmm. And it's, that feeling's, oh, again, that's a hard feeling you have to eventually say bye to, but you don't have to. I shouldn't and, have to. No, you don't. And you don't have to have, like, you can have a bad meat, but it doesn't mean it's a bad meat. Right. Because that's, okay, you bombed out or you, ha- but that doesn't mean the meat was bad, right? Sure. And, and and it comes to a couple of the questions that I've gotten um, about you know what's in the what's in store for us, what's next year you know how many things is there going to be another federation, are you going to work with that I got to you real clear. I'm going to run this show into the fucking ground. I'm going to run it as long as I can, as long as I have the opportunity, and as long as the people still want it. Yeah. And it's it's obviously it's not a battle axe competition meaning there is a federation that runs it there are rules it is sanctioned so it's not a hundred percent my decision obviously me and rich work together and the state chair and his team it's not just something i do i don't i don't pick 
what clips you're going to use. We use official bars, not like Strongman, where I'm like, I'm using Rogue Yoke and that's it. There's a big difference in the way it's a much more professionalized system in the sense of numbers and everything has to be more exact for these super anal powerlifters. <laughs> well, Strongman, everything is ish. Yeah, it truly is. Um, and I tell you, the future for, for Miami's baddest man is that I'm the kind of person, oh, Miami, excuse me, Miami Throwdown, is that you're only as good as your last show. Mm-hmm. That's how I feel. And it just means that every single competition, every single showdown we we throw or every single throwdown is going to be better than the other. Yep. Already, the moment that deadlift hit the ground, I was already thinking of next year, just like the moment that fucking last implement was dropped and the last farmer tiebreaker damn near died in Miami's. <laughs> we are we are thinking next year. Yeah. It is gonna be a tank brewery. It will be with the same attitude. It'll be in the same place. There's a couple of things I wanna change. There's a couple of things I'm gonna I'm gonna really make a little bit more exciting. That's on my level and I'll announce those things when the time comes. Um, but I am a hundred percent believer that all things can get better. Because of the foundation you built on, look mm. at look at the attitude people come into Miami's baddest that they're gonna come into at, at Miami Throwdown. Like, hey, tight ship, no bullshit, great time, and that's how you build great shows. Yeah. No, I'm not gonna work with any other federation as long as Rich is running the USPA. I have a great fucking relationship with them. I don't know anything about the WPRF. If I'm saying it right, I just don't know about them. I don't know, so I don't fucking care really, to be honest with you. Um, also USPA has its extension and worlds and all that stuff. So that's just a federation I'm going to do. I built a great loyalty and a great, great relationship on this side of the table. Um, again, it was, there was a meet run the same weekend as ours, uh, for whatever fucking reason, it was run on the same day as ours. Congratulations. I hope things went really well. I have no idea how that meet ran. Um, I'm sure everyone has their own opinions about that, but again, I'm super competitive and I like being the fucking best at everything, <laughs> at least at that. Um, and I'll continue to host it the same fucking weekend as we have been hosting the Throwdown on the same fucking weekend for the last eight, nine years. And I hope to host it on the same one for as many years as I can um, and keep running it with no bullshit, with as many athletes as I can and a fun fucking environment. And that's it. And I hope that answers a lot of questions and I hope it put a lot of doubt to rest that when things come to miami it's going to be fucking great i love that word great so i'm going to sign off the online because that that live is going to stay up for 24 hours you're welcome so everyone can see what the fuck i'm talking about i don't like being second i don't like being second in anything and i hate second place but hey it happens i don't like to associate with anyone who doesn't have that fucking attitude i don't like bullshit i don't like drama and I don't like drama that can't be handled with hands. Just kidding. I meant like paper, rock, scissors. Oh, what a game. Clearly. It's, it's a match, really. Um, That's going to be the tiebreaker for next week. <laughs> the tiebreaker is <laughs> paper, rock, scissors. Fuck your real shambo. Yeah, yeah, fuck that. <laughs> um, and I, I really want to really give out a, a good concept of what that means to me in hosting this meet and continuing to set the bar so painfully high that everyone just grows from it. So you'd say that the bar will be so high you'd have to climb to get there? Oh. And maybe that would be, I don't know, mountaintop? Would you say so? Would you say? Wow. <laughs> we'll just tie things back together in this oh, fucking show. Bring it right back around your so face. So good. 
Um, but I am gonna say bye to the uh, the twenty four the live feed. I hope everyone we answered as many questions as we can. We'll bring up a few towards the end. Um, but thank you very much for following us and listening to our bullshit. Always <laughs> a shout out to Bulky Gang is a shirt I'm wearing by Susan. Susie and uh, the Garage Gym in California. Shout out to you guys. Big supporters who gave us a bunch of stuff for the meet, too. Yep. Amazing. Well, you know what's funny is as a as a rookie back there, everyone I talked to, literally, that was what everyone couldn't stop saying. And it wasn't that I was looking for that information because obviously I care about it, you know? As much as I want to do well in, in that, I also want it to do well because of, you know, that's your livelihood. Right. And the one thing that was constantly said to me is, man, this is the best fucking meet I've ever been to over and over again. And that was from people who had been lifting for 15 years, 20 years to people who uh, that that dude, um, I think his name was Craig, who squatted like nine ninety yeah. something. Yeah. And it was super nice, too. And he, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, man. So, you know, that, first of all, I watched him warm up and 800 was like. I was like, that guy's going to throw that through the ceiling. Yo, <laughs> like, it was yeah. And so I, I, I go, yeah, man. So how long you been doing this? That's fucking strong. He's like, oh, this is my second year. I'm like, <laughs> bastard. <laughs> Show me unlock your power. And yo, and, and what's great is that he had a veteran's attitude. He really did. You know, obviously, I mean, I don't know him personally. Um, shout out to him for coming to our meet. Um, maybe he played other sports. I mean, so yeah, he, he said he was a former football player. So he already has that kind of like, yo, like you know, respect the game. Um, and 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 I see it a lot. So if powerlifting is the first sport of a lot of people, which it is, a lot of powerlifters now because it's a show, you can't it's mainstream. Forget it, it's mainstream. You can't yeah. say anything about it. Um, it's it's a lot of first time sports, so they don't know how to act. You yeah, know, sure. they've never been part of a governing body sport, like with rules and professionalism. And you can get kicked out for being a piece of shit. You know, like imagine being a football player and, and telling the ref to fuck off. You know what happens? You get kicked out. Yeah, you get ejected. I know because I've gotten <laughs> kicked out of rugby games, whatever. <laughs> rugby matches. Um, it's a different time. Different time. <laughs> different time. Different different mic. Um <laughs> See, and we started drinking <laughs> pregame. <laughs> the year of our Lord, 20 to 2015. Um, and, I, and I tell people, um, it's our job as promoters and, and, and hosts and venues to teach the crowd. Like I, I had a lot of people come up to me like, oh, this is my first meet. Thank you for making it special. And I was being as smart as I go, well, you're spoiled. Because your first meet was fucking awesome. You know, <laughs> but and what I really wanted it to be was like, this is how meets are mostly run most of the time. It's yeah. just we've had a little bit of a hiccups recently. But if you read between the lines and instead of looking all the time at like what the loudest people are doing, look what the quiet people are doing. They're hitting mm -hmm. their numbers. They're professional. Talk to judges. Talk to experienced lifters. How are they acting? And I wanted it. I wanted that to be a reminder yeah. to everyone. Like we forget a lot that. This is a first-time sport for these people. That, you know, that a lot of these, I'm sorry, it's just unfortunate. A lot of these kids nowadays, they didn't grow up with sports like we did. Yeah. They didn't play street ball with their friends. There's fucking football on the weekends. They don't. They just don't. It's not popular no more. You have to pay to go to a fucking park or you get kicked out in 10 minutes because, God forbid, you know, the police see a bunch of kids getting together because, honestly, I get it. Probably fucking doing stupid shit. Yeah. It's not like when we were growing up, we were, 
playing sports or I wasn't a part of a league because I couldn't afford shit, but I knew sport rules, right? right. And in the street, when you act out, you know what happens? You get your ass beat. You don't yeah. get kicked out. Yeah. You get your ass fucked up by the bigger thug. And I'm like, oh, no thanks. You're yeah. right. It's your ball. I've been there. Right? And it's our it's our job. And this is what I mean when I said earlier in the show, if you want to make something great, you got to be a part of the change. You have to be the hammer. It's very easy to throw fingers and bad names and bad stories and be a piece of shit, but not own a gym, but not host a meet, and by not having that much skin in the game. And, and I'm going to say something that's probably going to piss people off or whatever. Sometimes the athlete has the smallest fucking voice, but that doesn't mean they shouldn't be heard. Correct? Mm-hmm. Cool. We hear you. But it's everyone else's job to act on it. So if an athlete is like, this is the worst fucking meet ever, well, it's really easy for them to say that. You can recognize that they said that. But what are you going to do as a promoter, as a venue, as a judge? Are you just going to be like, oh, they're being a brat? Because we're guilty on both sides. As guilty as an athlete is, we're going, this sucks, fuck you. We're guilty by going, who cares what they say? They're just an athlete. It's like not listening to a fucking kid. Mm-hmm. I don't like kids. But you got to hear them out. They're, they're saying something in between their childish lines. They're showing you something. Yeah. It's our job as the adult to be like, what is this kid trying to tell me? Or instead of just being like, they're just a fucking brat. Go to your room. Because that's our current culture, right? Yeah. So what do we do with the athlete? We treat them like children. Oh, yeah, whatever, man. It's just a stupid athlete. I don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Okay. But if 10 of them are saying something, if 15 of them are acting this way, what's, what's going on? And it's our job as people that promote shows and are acting and trying to be the hammer to rise from that. Instead of sitting there and being like, well, back in my day, I'm like, yeah, back in my day we did this, but this is not what we're fucking doing now. Like, this is how it's going to be now, better than it was back in the day. Now in the, in the warm-up room, I want 50 seats. I want four racks. I want a bar for every fucking rack. I want a plate for every goddamn thing. I want clips. I want extra clips. I want second clips. I want every bucket to have a block of chalk every goddamn second. I want baby powder being cleaned up. I want two and a half plates for every fucking tree. I want barbells pressed correctly. I want them clean at the end of the day. I want them brushed when people are done. I want people to be told, don't slam that. I want double mats. I want to be powder cleaned off the things. I want people to have a moment where they look around, they're like, I'm not tripping over bottles and plates and I'm not bumping into shoulders. I want enough space where I can breathe and extend my legs so my balls can breathe. I want everything to look correctly. I want the bleach bottles to be next to the carpet so they can clean the goddamn piss after that heavy deadlift because she broke the fucking record. I don't sleep. You see, success doesn't sleep. This is how people put on fucking shows, right? Because I've been there. That's all the time. And these are what meets are fucking run on. These little quote-unquote behind the scenes is right in your goddamn face. But guess what? You're not the hammer. But when you're the hammer, you got to know where the head is at. Right? You got to know where everything is at. So it's right in your goddamn face. But because when you think like an athlete, your vision is small. But when you've been the athlete, the coach, the winner, the loser, the judge, the promoter, the venue finder, the food finder, the retail seller, the podcaster, somebody has to stand with what they say, a leader, a follower, and you're all that shit, and some of you out there listening are, you got to see it all. And that's what fu- that's what makes a great fucking meet. So when you talk shit, 
you better back that shit up or wait seven fucking years and then fuck them over with your success. Wow. Wow. We could have ended it right there, what but fuck, I, I'm sorry. Now, I don't bro. know. I don't know, man. We should, damn it. Let's just cut it. <laughs> let's edit it out. We're going we're gonna to talk about. It's cool. I've had to pee for 45 minutes anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking same. Oh, man. You know, something that came to me that I, th- I thought was pretty. You, you talk about being very uh, cerebral uh, and be in touch with, with the lifting. Um and also, I think that if anyone ever takes the time to read your blogs, they, there's a lot of emotional connection with a lot of the things that you see happen, um, in the, and, and especially in this meet. Um, what, how do you feel when it's your show and you're watching male or female and they're literally in tears for, for making or missing a lift? What emotion comes to you when you're able to witness that? At your show. Um, I suppose empathy and understanding at a much uh, deeper, a deeper level. I, I, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to fail. Uh, not only yourself, but your coach and your friends and your family. Unfortunately, I've been more on the side of losing than I've ever been on winning. That's really the story of my life and many of our lives. Uh, like many people, I'm extreme. I don't know about many, but definitely, I'm I'm very very passionate. Uh, and I know I I'd said it recently. I forgot what I was writing notes or whatever. That I love and hate equally as fiery and sometimes dangerously. So, I may love something deeply as much as I hate something about it. My competition. I hate losing more than I love winning. I hate it furiously so like it's a disease it's it's bad it's a not the best trait to have i just make the best of it i don't want to change it in me you know and sometimes when i get mad like oh be mindful calm down I'm like fuck you you know it's not that i want to it's not that i'm not calm is that i need to make the best of it you know I, I can change it but not enough that i change who i am it's looking at it unbiasedly this is who you are michael what are you going to do with it not this sucks, Michael. Change everything about you. Because in that process of changing, I might lose what I already have and stuff like that. It's doing what you can with what you have. So when I see people like that, and, and also on the polar opposite, when I see people cry and scream when they get their numbers, it's both an emotional journey because I've been there. I can see You can see genuine emotion. Again, an animal trait. You can see genuine emotion happiness and joy in that person like watching you be elated and also watching you be in the zone you can see when someone is in the zone and when someone is not in the zone or they're nervous and anxious and you know and distant and not listening or when somebody overcomes a, a miss how do they act or the way they act when they come back from uh, having a bad meet and uh, it, it's it's both equally painfully sad because i feel for them but it's also uh, a quick big brother check like what are you gonna do about it though like there's a part of me that's like yo i get it and i feel you and there's a part of me is like don't be a fucking pussy either like cry it out cry it out you should cry it out feel it embrace it be sad remember what this feels like 
and never go back there again because it sucks. And I, I can tell you right now, <laughs> I've been on the crying end of many broken hearts in the sense of letting myself down and, 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 and training for months to be completely and utterly disappointed. And it's like, I tell you, they ask me sometimes, Michael, you know, where do you get your, your focus from, your rage from? or your, I'm like, from those moments where I completely broke down. I hate that feeling of letting others down because I failed myself. Because I failed my journey, because I didn't give it my all, because I quit or I was scared or I gave up. Although those moments are fleeting, they're there, they've been in my mind. And I hate it more than anything else in the fucking world. And I know what that feels like. And when I feel it coming, I get so mad. This is just me, that that's the rage that I lift with. Like it's like a fight in a forest fire. Like I'm in there and I know I'm fighting a losing battle, but I'm not fucking going out like a goddamn pussy. And it's boom, it's instant. I'm like, oh, and then it's on. That's what I do. That's what I do. I don't know what you do. This is what I do. So when I see these people crying, I'm like, I know what you feel like. I can feel it in my heart. And I'm like, hey, man, I talk to people sometimes. I'm like, hey, feel it out. Yeah. Take a second, man. Why is that important? Because I think it's important that you need to understand what you feel like. Not what others, not what you think others feel about you. Not what you think others think about you. Because that's going to come anyway. Mm. You cannot live life and not think about other people thinking about you. It's impossible. Anybody who says that's a liar. Whether you care about it or not is a deeper conversation. And even if you don't care, you kind of do, but you deal with it. But it's important for you to analyze those thoughts and dive deep into that misery because when you say you're never going back, you have to have known what it felt like. It's like when a, tr- like when a drug addict reaches rock bottom. If you've ever talked to a recovering drug addict, when they tell you I was at bottom, there's like a little glint in their eye where you're like, ooh. Mm-hmm. You've seen it. If you talk to real recovered drug addicts or people who have you know any kind of addict or any kind of person overcoming this really bottom they're like, yo, I've been at bottom. And when they say it, you're like, the, because they've had to have felt it, but they were forced there. Mm-hmm. When you're an athlete, you have to force yourself down because in the long run, you're doing something you like. You're not doing a drug that's killing you and harming you in a sense. Yeah, powerlifting is like a drug and it hurts us and brings us to a certain place. Obviously, the high of heroin is not the high of powerlifting, but you have to bring yourself down to feel it. You can't escape it and quickly jump on Instagram or start talking to somebody and then telling them like, Hey, it's going to be okay. And no matter what, you're kind of leaning on the, take a second, feel miserable. You're right. You failed. There's no way around it. Oh, there's no such thing as failure. It's learning. No motherfucker. You failed. You failed yourself. And that doesn't work in school. Yeah. So it, doesn't no, really work. it doesn't work in real life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're right. Fail and then learn. Not, it's not failure, it's a lesson. I get it. I've seen the memes, and I, I know what they're trying to say. But you need to know what failure feels like for you to overcome that. And more importantly, for you to understand others that are going through that. But if you quickly brush it off as, I'm cool, I'm good, you're just running away from that. So you'll never know what that feels like, and people are going to see it. And you yourself will know because you will never want to go there. And if you can't go to those dark places, you're not going to get very far in life especially not in sports, whatever you want to call it. I just, that's how I see it. And it's, it's important for you to get in that moment 
to get in those zones and be like, I tell my lifters all the time, when something bad happens, I leave, I, I talk to them briefly. I don't coach them out of that. I mean, because a lot of time coaches are also a lot of other things besides just a number picker and a programmer, right? If you're just looking for coaching and programming, that's not just what coaching is. Mm-hmm. Then you're a programmer, <clears throat> not a coach. That's how I see it. I go, hey, man, take a moment. Feel it. I'm going to leave you alone for a little bit. Stay alone with your thoughts. Embrace it. Take a few minutes. Feel that fucking pain. And then we get over it. Because I know that they're going to revisit that a few times for the rest of their lives. And that's okay. It's not, it's not that it's not okay. It's okay to feel bad about failing. It, it's cool. It's fine. That's how you learn. That's how you learn to hate that or to dislike it or to become better. I don't understand sometimes this school of thought. Oh, you know, like, it's it's not that I failed. I go, no, dude, yeah, you did. You failed yourself. You had a goal, and only you know. I mean, sometimes freak shit happens. You get hurt. That's shit happens. Or something was misloaded. It was outside of your reach. Or shit, it wasn't your day. But if you know that you spent too many nights sleeping, you know, going to sleep late or not dieting or not training or you quit on reps or you're distracted by a new piece of pussy you got or you didn't want to listen to your coach that's on you you go to sleep with that you better sit there and know why the fuck you failed so you're like you know what this feeling really sucks dude yeah i don't want to come back here and i can see it on certain people i'm like oh your heart's breaking into a thousand pieces and the hardest heart to see is the one that gave it all and still failed and they're confused because it's the first time their heart's ever been broken. Mm. You know when you love someone or something so bad and it breaks your heart, you're like, but I did everything right. I love this person with all my heart. I did everything I could for them. I did everything in my power. I, I took care of them. I loved them. I fucked them the best. I treated them the best. And they break your heart into a thousand pieces. And you sit there and you're like, why me? And you're like, because that's life, bro. That is why we were born into this existence. Sleep on it, feel it in your fucking gut, and never go back there again. Because how are you going to tell somebody the next time you see one of your friends that are heartbroken because you're too much of a pussy and you ran away from your pain, hey, it's going to be okay. Your friend's going to look at you and be like, no, it's not. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Because they can see it in your eye that you're a coward. So when I see those people, and it's the same thing when I see people that win, and they're, oh, man, was a fucking and. When Anne won Best Lifter, she, bro, those tears that she was fighting back were so genuine. Like, she's been through some fucking shit that me and Nick were like, God damn it, because we choked up. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot of stories like that that day. There always is. But you can see in her eyes, like, you know, <gasps> that breathing and that, that yeah. certain tear and that certain, like, they can't make eye contact with you because they're looking within. You're mm-hmm. looking right at them, and they're not looking at you. They're looking within because they're like, I did it. I did it. I, I went through some shit. I did everything I could and it went right. Because that's life too. Yeah. Just like there's life that's like, you, I don't know why this is happening to me. You Do you say that when things go right? No, because everything's right. going right, right? No, you don't exactly. go, oh, why me? <laughs> You're like, yes. <laughs> why me. would you give me all these great things? Why would I win the lottery? I don't deserve it. Yeah, shut up. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you know, so. Yeah, man, I, I, I dive deep into those emotions. I dive deep into that moment and it, it, uh, I feel it. I feel it in my bones, man. Because I've been on the end of that. Yeah, I've been on competitions where like, mm, I didn't, I didn't do things right. I was wrong. And I've been on competitions where 
I didn't do enough, and I still won. And I'm like, ha, 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 king of the castle. And then I got smacked. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is what reality is, you know? Again, I didn't have coaches to tell me these things at the time, but yeah. we learned. And and I want to encompass a lot of things into that because I feel like obviously we're, we're drawing near to the end, and there was a lot of um, the air around the meat the air around the the environment of of tank. I wasn't about to say the gym, but it felt like the battle axe gym. That's where we were at. Um, I wanted to encompass that feeling. Uh, Dustin said it too. Shout out to my boy Dustin, uh, great announcer and yeah, just uh, growing in the community. As far as maybe this is he's going to be the legacy of it. He even said it. He's like, "Welcome to the battle axe gym." Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, that was another moment." And he told me later, he's like, this, when I went to your gym, this is what it feels like. The environment of your gym when everyone's going after it. Yeah. Just obviously at a bigger scale with strangers. And when you get almost 200 strangers in two days feeling like they're a part of something. Yeah. Like, you have to analyze that something's going right. And how, how does this happen? Everyone, people have asked me that. How did you make it this way? And how did this in that way? I was like... This started a long, long time ago. And all I did was just open my doors to that, show you what we have in our gym and what you have in your gym. Because it's not like we did everything. We had exceptional gyms there with exceptional people and coaches and examples. It's not like, I, of course I want to take credit for my lifters and my staff. Of course I'm going to do that. But look outwardly. There's a lot of good people in the community. There's yeah. a lot of great gyms and people that just come correct, dog. People who just act like they're 30-something. Yeah. And, you know, this is not okay and this is okay. But when they're allowed to shine, other people want to do that. Sure. What did you have an example? All over the place. Experienced lifters acting correctly. Helping younger lifters. Um, loading plates themselves. Yep. Getting out of the way. Patting backs, chalking backs, telling stories, reposting positivity, reposting things that matter. When you tell people, hey, bro, give credit to Tank, they're going to fucking do it. It's yeah. that easy. Don't fall asleep. Hey, bro, you know, thank church. Thank Gorilla Bench. Tell, you don't, hey, maybe, you know, if you think you have enough time. No, motherfucker. It's at the Battle Axe Gym, T-H-E Battle Axe Gym. It's at Tank Brew. Like, tell them, express yourself, because yeah. look how many posts happen. Yeah. With all the proper tags and ads. And it's still happening. I was, yeah, all over. People have heard about it across the state. Yeah. I'm like, we are a 956 square foot facility. And I don't care what anyone says. I think that was one of the best meets in the world. You come at me, I don't go fuck. Come at me, bro. Really, tell me otherwise. It certainly is considered one of the best in the States. And it happens because it's just a culture that's part of a bigger culture. And I've had people tell me, hey, man, like, this really made me believe in Florida. Powerlifting is like, I've always believed in it. So have you. It just needed a fucking spark, like Custom Auto said. Right? It becomes a flame, then it becomes a roaring fire. You gotta, you gotta spark it. You gotta be a part of Now these people are thinking... Shit, I want to come back next year. You know they're going to come back next year? 
like fucking bats out of hell, like ready, positive, looking forward to it. This is going to be a great meet, and they're going to come with that attitude. Mm-hmm. And then two and three and four and five or whatever the fuck happens, that's how it grows. And I, and I tell you, and I'm going to give you great advice <laughs> business-wise. I don't, you know, I try my best. But that's how, that's how things perpetuate in life. You ask me why this means so much to me and why, you know, obviously Miami's Baddest Man has its own just unbelievable story. And I, we, again, I've expressed myself deeply on that. We started, and I posted the video on, on one of our, we have an Instagram DM group with some of the guys that are consistent. A video of me started on YouTube. I wish I can, I might post it on the, on the video on Instagram. When I started with literally <laughs> nothing, and you're asking me how this facility grew into something much bigger than its walls. And when I have that banner that's hanging up in my, in my gym now, it's like the size of the entire wall. And you have friends like Church who are now co-promoters that started with just two guys in a warehouse that saw me on Instagram and YouTube and thought that, hey, man, this guy's cool. Maybe we could do it, too. And look at him now and so on and so forth. When you have people showing up to your meet saying, I heard this was going to be a great meet. And when you have complete strangers who I've never met in my entire life telling me this is the best meet they've ever been to. And you're just you're a part of this. It brings absolute meaning to life. Look, man, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I've been to the crossroads in my life a bunch of times, maybe too many times to talk about, maybe too little, too little times to even consider myself some sort of dark crazy individual or whatever batman batman <laughs> born in the darkness <laughs> i am the darkness <laughs> but we but you're asking me what is meaning like what in you know meaning of life and all these questions are typically you you'll think about when you fucking light up a bowl and you think you're funny in california but reality is and this is my reality it has to be about things that become bigger than me it's the only thing that keeps me going I wish I could tell you that I have some sort of, you know, singular idea that is what I'm going to do or some sort of small bucket list that has to get accomplished or that I consider myself living a long and happy and peaceful life. On the contrary, it's never going to be that way. I am a person that is extremely self-destructive. I love and search for search for tumultuous attitudes in my brain. My philosophy is as spread out and as sporadic as quantum physics, and I say it repeatedly. My brain doesn't work normal. It never will, and I'm surprised I sleep at night, and I always thank my stupid CPAP all the time for allowing <laughs> But life is, 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 is indicative, and it shows you signs of what you're doing on the right path. I had a small meeting with my people, and my, by my people, I mean the Battle Axe Clan, and it was tough not to it was tough not to say what I wanted to say because you get choked up. You get choked up because you're looking at people who had it not been for the gym and the barbell would have never been together. Never laughed together, never um never PR'd together, never built courage together, never felt fear, never felt loss with a family that's outside of your blood. You can't pick your family, but you can certainly pick your friends. You can, you can pick your fucking destiny. And you can make your legacy. I tell them that every day. I got a message, and I wrote about it um, from Cheryl Wilson, 
my best friend who I lost years ago, her mother, his mother, who I consider my second mother. And she sent me this message. Obviously, you know, after the throwdown, it's like this massive boulder off my back. Say what you will, I'm extremely hard on myself and I put these immense goals on my mind no matter what. Be the best, etc. And she reminded me, she actually quoted Discipline is Freedom, which she's reading on her own, which is a 65-year-old, beautiful, big black lady from the ghettos of Boston is reading Discipline Equals Freedom. And I couldn't help but tear up that she found it on her own. And in the long story short, she talks about how Jocko lived through this particular life of training as hard and as mercilessly as he could. And it's in the book. So that one day he can train his men with that same merciless attitude of going forward and pushing into the enemy, you know, how he would say, without mercy. You know, when you listen to his speeches and it's one thing to listen, but it's one thing to feel it in your fucking guts. And you get teary-eyed when you're listening to this speech at 5 in the morning because you're, you're cutting weight or you're just getting ready to deadlift at 6.30 because life has no fucking meaning to you. You have to get this goddamn deadlift that's more important than food. And she's quoting that to me. <laughs> she's quoting that to me because she told me that that reminds me of me. And I almost dropped my phone because I, I, mean, I haven't cried like that in like fucking years. I told her I haven't cried like that since I buried her son. And that's never easy. And I stood there and I said, I got to this position. I got this, uh, this message and I didn't get it alone. I got it because for 35 fucking years, I have worked for this very fucking moment where I would be recognized, not because of my numbers, not because of my singular feats, because of a leadership position, because of something bigger than myself. And I've said it a million fucking times. I've said it a million times on our podcasts. What saves lives, what makes things great, is to make them bigger than who you are. Say what you want about Michael De La Pava. Say whatever the fuck you want. But these events, these stories, these meets, these competitions, every time you step into them, you feel it, that there is just something so utterly massive going on, something so big that you can't help but get goosebumps. You can't help but be a part of something because you're going to tell stories about that fucking meet like I am until the day you fucking die. That's how you have to think when you do anything great in your fucking life, it wasn't a paycheck. It wasn't a business move. I didn't do it to spite anybody. I didn't do it to spite friends or to fuck anybody else over because I'm a fucking man, G. I put on a show because I love the fucking sport. And it shows when you walk into that room and you're not stepping on bullshit, when people are treating you with respect, when you leave that fucking meeting, you're like, Wow, that's all you can say? Wow, that was fucking amazing. That was the best meet I've ever been to. That's a fucking statement. Not, be, not for me, for us. When it says we put on the greatest fucking meet, then I go home and I sleep on that and I sleep like a fucking king 
king of 956 square feet in West Kendall, Miami, motherfucker. I sleep like a fucking king on a bed of gold because it came from nothing. And when you have that attitude, when you have that look in your eyes like a, some ferocious wolf because you know you can taste the hunt, nobody fucks with your dreams because they're yours and you're tenacious and you can taste it. How do you put on a fucking good anything? Because you've always known you're going to get it. I put on this meat in my mind seven and a half years ago. Older than all your fucking stories and shoes, bro. And the best part on and the best part of all of it is that I didn't do it alone. And that's the fuel, right? If you're going to ask me how it all came to be and how we figured all of this motherfucker out, that's how it happened. Now, think about that for those of you out there that are asking me this question, who are a part of it, who are growing the sport, who just became coaches and you don't feel like anyone respects you and you've just been coaching two, three people. I get it. Well, guess what? Eat your shit sandwich. Shut the fuck up. Put your nose on the grindstone and drown them in their success. Because one day, I promise you, if you do it right, they're going to be eating the crumbs off of your success. I fucking promise you. This is MDLP. This is the Battle Axe Podcast. Saying don't be a pussy. Everything ends.